Well, hello and welcome to Dragon Hearts. The season is over, a sad ending, but now at least the Robert Ryan reign can really begin. Big news from the retained list, of course. Bobby Grant's not coming back. Also, well, the end of a dinner, Steve Carrington. We have a missing Pearson. And even for the young Scout striker, the fat lady sang. Documentary crew at least got to have their own Red Wedding to film. Dean Keats also has left. There's not many people left in the building now. We'll be talking about all these events and, of course, the disappointments of Dagenham. So, what are you waiting for? It's time for Dragon Hours. Jordan Pondicelli, and you're listening to the Dragon Art Radio Show. Hi, and welcome to Dragon Heart. I'm Mark Griffiths. He's Jay Long. They'd always point the wrong way when I tried to point, and I deliberately pointed the wrong way this time, thinking it would work, and it didn't. Jay, firstly, on behalf of all of us, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. A uh, lot of sleepless nights, but <laughs> not necessarily because of the new baby Wesley. It- because of Wrexham's been keeping me up from that performance last Saturday. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need burping, don't we, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, we'll have a chat about that Dagenham game. We'll chat about the managerial change. We'll chat about the routine this, this week. Let's be honest. We're talking about all the obvious things. So uh, let's get cracking, shall we? Dagenham. Oh, that was heartbreaking, that. <laughs> really, really, real shame, I thought. It was an obvious thing to say, but real, real missed opportunity. And um, Dagenham, of course, is a playoff position this year, year, haven't they, with the two games combined, really? You know, yeah. um, the home game, if we would have held on, we would have been all right. And, you know, as looking at the statistics leading to this game, draw probably would have been okay in most combinations of results. It wasn't for, for us, yeah. was it? Exactly right. Um, there were so many combinations, like I said, and permutations if we drew. And we really we were a bit unlucky. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the performance was poor. But, mm. yeah, to get a draw at Dagenham and not get through to the playoffs, there was only about a 20% chance of that happening. So that is unlucky. Yeah. In terms of permutations that like we talked about last week, I just, I don't know, it's, it was a shame. I mean, Dagenham, I think, are a good team. They're in good form. Yeah. Signing off in front of fans. It was always possible that could happen. And and yet, in the middle of the season, a point at a team in that sort of form away from home would be a cracking result. And yet, mm. it, it's hard to... It's, sorry, it's very easy to forget that we've got a draw there because yeah. it so felt like a defeat. It it did, didn't it? Mm. Well, it was, it, it was a defeat, really, wasn't it? Yeah. I think... I don't know. That first half performance was pretty bad. The players didn't really seem up for it, did they, at all? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like saying that, but, yeah, there was no real standout performances from Rex. There was no one who come come in and really grab the game by the horns and win it. But I I, I know. I don't know. It, it's, a, it's, it's a real sad day because I think we deserved that. We deserved the playoff spot. Yeah, I think over the course of the season, we've only been out of the yeah. playoffs for two weeks since February. It's cruel to drop out then. And I thought in terms of performances, maybe the best performances were the centre-backs, actually. Uh, the yeah. you know, players further forwards were 
struggling to you know to be past his stick was were, I think snatching at things like there was anxiety um but the first couple of minutes we started like a house on fire piercing at the bar yeah and I thought oh this yeah. is perfect we're gonna do these but once we lost that grip on midfield I mean they didn't actually make many chances Dagnum I would say that they looked threatening but they didn't make all that many chances I think what they what they did do really well was they kept their I mean their wing backs you know the battle of wing backs was won by them because our wing backs yeah. were stuck quite deep and they were penning them back. And I felt that because they stayed quite wide, they were able to get those overloads working quite well. Our, our wing backs would come out wide with theirs. And then there was a lot of space between them and the centre backs. And a midfielder, often Balanta, would sort of drop in there. And then they've got an extra man there and a striker can run across. Another midfielder can go in there. And mm-hmm. we were a man short, and Balanza was pulling the strings and just pushing those cute little passes down those channels, and that's where a lot of their chances came. Or the centre backs, they did the Sheffield United thing, didn't they? Where the wing backs stayed wide, yeah, and then the centre back on that side would overlap. That was how the goal came about, wasn't it? It was a centre back who got down and hit yeah, the goal yeah. line and pulled it in. Um, so they, they were clever. I thought they they created those overloads, and and I thought, although you know, to be fair, I'm not a football manager. I thought that when that started happening and we, we started to concede chances, or at least they were getting into good positions to put crosses in, I thought maybe we, we ought to have just said to the wing-backs, defend narrow, let's just defend our box. Yeah. Let's let them put crosses in because we've got three really good centre-backs who are playing, who are playing well. Uh, McCallum's dangerous, so I accept that's a reason not to do it. But there was a sense a goal was coming, even if they weren't really making that many good chances because they were, just, they were getting around our defence and pulling us out of shape. And I wondered if yeah. we needed to just do that and say, okay, we can, we're a good defensive side. We can defend our box. Let's just do that and get through this period, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree, to be fair. And what did you make of the, the change at the start uh, of, of, the, of the starting line? Horsfield coming in. I thought that was, on, at the time, I thought it was a sensible thing because I think our mid, midfield looked quite lightweight with Harris in the middle. So before the game, I was quite happy Horsfield was coming in. Arvis wasn't starting because it was going to be a cagey game with an experienced player who was more defensive-minded. I thought that at the time was a good change, but it didn't really work out, did it? No, we talked about this, didn't we, I think, the, the, sat- yeah. the Saturday before, the idea that yeah. if you want to play a midfield, you know, with that, if Harris is missing... And you want to play midfield that's got a bit of uh, bite about it. Probably your only like-for-like alternative is Horsfield, but yeah. it didn't work out, um, and that's a shame. I don't think it was a crazy decision. I thought it was quite a logical decision, like you say, um, yeah. because when we've played Rutherford, Davis, and Jarvis together as a three, we've looked great going forward sometimes, but we've also sometimes looked a bit. Like we can't defend teams going through. It's like um, Kiwabi did for Kings Lynn, where he yeah, ran yeah. right through the heart of the fence. Um, Harris was on the pitch then, I, I admit, uh, but was also carrying an injury. So, yeah, you know, I think that probably, you know, sort of explains it in a way. So, yeah, I, I, I totally understand the logic against a team like Dagenham and we're flying and who clearly got good movement and good attacking options to, to be looking to have a player like that sitting in front. Um, we missed Harris a lot. I mean, I feel mm. a bit sorry for Horsfield, to be honest. I don't think there was... I I, I don't know. I, I I, wouldn't particularly call him out over the performance, just that 
Yeah. It, it didn't it really do anything, did he, really? He was a no. bit... Yeah. Yeah, and I felt, I felt really... I feel bad for him, and he had to come off half-time as well, and Rutherford come on, didn't he? And how long was he on for? It was... 10 minutes. 10 minutes, 11. Yeah, 11. 11 minutes, and that was a... It was a reckless challenge, wasn't it? And I think with the fans and everything, he's going to give reds for that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't argue with the decision. He, yeah, it's just such a sad way for his Wrexham career to end because he's been such a fantastic servant yeah. of the club, and I mean that word servant more than he normally would. I mean, he's always put himself on the line for the club, and I think to be fair to him, okay, I mean, it cost us that we went down to ten men with so long left, no question. But um, I, I, I don't like the idea that people will sort of attack him for it. Let's be honest, he, he's not normally a player who goes into tackles like that, and he, he's gone into that because he's wholehearted. He thinks that ball's there to yeah. him. Um, it's, it's a poor tackle. Yeah. It's a red card. I'm not arguing any of that. The referee was absolutely 100% right. Um, and the Dagenham fan players had the right... They were very angry, and I, yeah, I get that, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it isn't, it isn't born from him just thinking, oh, just whack him and ruin our season. It's born from him thinking, if I win this tackle on the edge of the area, we might score. That, that's why the, that's where yeah. that tackle came from. He got it wrong, and he and we paid the price. But uh, it's a sad way for his Wrexham career to end, like I say. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, Mark. It's, I think it was a, you know, after looking at the retain list, it was a sad game to finish a lot mm. of Wrexham players' careers, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it was just... Uh, it was just so deflating, wasn't it? And yeah. I thought, if we would have got the playoffs, that's brilliant. We got something to build on for next season. But yeah. unfortunately, it really hasn't worked out. And we'll look back. I think we'll look back on this season as a big disappointment, won't we? I think. Oh yeah, um, a missed chance. I think in a lot of ways. But oh, it was the frustrating thing is, like I said, it feels like a defeat. It wasn't actually a defeat. I mean, Ponticelli gets yeah. his goal. Uh, the last 20 minutes, they, they straight after Rutherford sending off, they put some pressure on us. But when you actually look at it, they had shots from outside the box. They didn't, they weren't actually causing too much problem. And then when it came to the last 20 minutes, they created nothing until the very end when we overcommitted and they could have scored. And we were making chances. Angus had that shot saved by the keeper. Uh, Ponticelli's goal was well offside, but well, <laughs> it was given. Yeah. And then, oh, the painful thing for me, the, the, oh, when we had the three-on-one break after Ponticelli scored. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, I, I think to be fair to Angus, at the time I was spitting feathers. I was like, a but just, just square it, for God's sake. Ponticelli and Jarvis are marked in the box. Just give it. We, we, we're in the playoffs here. When you look back at it, if he didn't play it quite early, the angle was gone for the pass. And, I, you know, I appreciate that. It became a difficult pass to make. And when I actually mm. look at it again from the reverse angle, it's a hell of an interception by a defender because his, his weight of the body is running towards goal. Angus has cut it behind him, but he's managed to stretch out his foot while off balance in the other direction and get a foot on it and stop it going through to Ponticelli. So it is a hell of a good piece of defending. But, oh, if he could just have made that pass, we probably would be preparing for a game on Saturday. And if we didn't concede a last-minute goal against them early on the season, we would have yeah. been preparing, you know. 
but there's a lot. There's been a lot of quite a few of these games this year we should have won and we are we haven't. So been I mean, plenty of games this season where we have won from coming losing positions. It's yeah. very up and down season. Yeah. I think this squad deserved playoff. The quality of a playoff side. We have a fantastic. We had a fantastic defense. Um, yeah, for me, we will look back as a real missed opportunity, but really in the long run, I think Keats has done a pretty okay job this season from where we were last season to where we've ended up now being a really competitive side in this league. So hats off to him as well. Yeah, we've come a long way, to be fair. Um, I just, it's funny, you know, I mean, it's natural as well, like you say, to look back on league's goals and things like that, Torquay's yeah. goal as well. Um, in a way, I, I sort of, don't look at it that way because probably every team's got you know that sort of thing that's happening. That's um, true. I would say, oh, right, just to be a hypocrite, we are unlucky. I think that when we were beating Kings Lynn, all the results go in our way, and then all those teams got late goals and all the results yeah. changed against us. Because when you think about it, I mean, I don't want to make excuses saying that they were like. Only twenty percent of the permutations. If we drew, that meant we wouldn't go through to the playoffs. What's really frustrating to me is that it wasn't just the last Saturday when everything else went exactly wrong. It was also the Saturday before, which we could yeah. easily have been virtually in the playoffs at the end of that of the Kingsland game. And for two weekends in a row, everything went against us. That frustrates me. And the other thing that frustrates me, I suppose, if I'm honest, is that. Yeah, you're going to get late goals. You're going to get things happening in matches, and all teams do. I don't believe in the idea that now it equals itself out. Why? Why would everything equal itself out? That's yeah. You know who's who's decided that. But I do think that um, we've paid the price for not taking chances when we've been strong in games. Number of games where we've started well, not got a goal, and ends up drawing or losing. Number That's of games. Count. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The away not to county game, we should have, we should have had that game buried in the first ten minutes. And then games like the Notts County home game and the Maidenhead game, where we've gone behind and we've made chances and taken none of them. You know that's what's cost us. Plus my eternal bugbear, the one silver lining from last Saturday. At least Eastleigh didn't go through because they were horrible in both our games. And in both those games, the referees made horrific match-changing decisions against us. And I sort of don't want to look at uh, leaked goals and things like that and say, oh, look at those points we should have had. But I do feel we should have had four points more off Eastley. I mean, the penalty yeah. at Eastley is a joke. We'd have won that 1-0. The red card for Kelleher and then the non-penalty when records fouled in the box are both ludicrous decisions. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, but... that is something that didn't have to happen. You know? Yeah, that's football, unfortunately, yeah. isn't it? It's it, it it's been it was frustrating day and but hey ho, we've got some new owners. Yeah, we've got we should have a bigger budget next. We should have a bigger budget this season. So let's look forward to the future because um, it's going to be exciting times at the race courses. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, maybe we should move on now and after this have a chat about the managerial situation. I'm Luke Young, and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. Yeah, so 
we didn't get in the playoffs, and soon afterwards, Dean Keats was no longer Wrexham's manager. Now, I, look, I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've said all season that I respect Keats as a manager, and I like him, and think he's got a lot of good qualities. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say that my mind has changed on that now. Um, but the decision has been made, and now we're looking for a new manager. Keats has uh, served us very well as a manager and a player, and he has to go with our well wishes, doesn't he, Jack? Oh, 100%. I, I was obviously gutted when I found out that he was going, but tell from his final interview that, yeah, it's 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 over for him. You could tell, couldn't you, straight away, really? But yeah, honestly, well wishes. I think he's done a good job this season. A lot of fans will disagree with us, but I think me and you have actually consistent throughout the whole season, throughout all our podcasts, we look back at him, and we'd be really positive about him and the system we're playing when many people haven't been. So, yeah, I, I, I really hope he... I, I don't think he'll have a problem finding another job at National League or two level. I wish him the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and what comes next? <laughs> um, we're starting the process now looking for a new manager. And uh, well, I've got to be honest, Che, I think it's it's very different from what we've experienced the last 10 or so years. Because um, the trust, much as I'm, a, a, I was always a supporter of the trust. The thing about having so many fans involved in that process was it was definitely a leaky process uh, when we appointed managers, and often, yeah, a lot of information was coming out. Not always, but often. Um, this time, I reckon we haven't got that. So, whereas in the past, the media or the press might be able to go after people and, and get little tidbits of information. I'm not convinced that anyone knows anything that's going on now because it's it's a very tight, small group of influential people who are actually making this decision. Mm, yeah, and we're not going to find out, are we? Which is crazy. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of Wrexham fans to actually not find out any <laughs> snippets anymore, any leaks, isn't it? It's going to be hard. It's going to be, it's going to be quite funny. but Gossip withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> exactly but now we've just got we've got these new owners and I'm sure they'll find the best option for us I wouldn't probably look at Skybet and think any of them <laughs> I bet list and think any of them are actually coming in but I think I do trust the guys in charge and I hope yeah, yeah. the guys and woman in charge and we will they will pick the, the right person yeah only a fool would look at the odds for the new manager you've got the odds for the new manager now haven't you Jay Oh, <laughs> I certainly have the 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 front runner is Michael Flynn, who just got Newport's the playoff final, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and then there's a dispute, isn't he? Apparently, with the director of football, as I understand it. I mean, he's he's certainly an impressive figure. I I just think yeah. you know I may look wrong here, but one of the names you say <clears throat> gets the job, but I, I kind of feel like. A lot of these lists are not based on inside info as much as putting two and two together. So, like, Flynn's at a Welsh club. The book yeah. in Wales is just one little village. So, yeah. Flynn's going to have a, a love for Wrexham somehow and a desire to come to yeah. Wrexham. And obviously, well, Brian Flynn's his dad. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, a lot of this two and putting two and two together makes five. 
yeah. and also but, the bookies are covering their backsides because if there's movements by people to put money on somebody or if they think there might be they've got to slash the odds to make sure they don't take a bath over it yeah yes. exactly and, bookie, you know the cliff's obviously coming isn't he because oh, yeah. Fleur's worked with him for so long and he's managed Burton in the past so you know that's <laughs> obvious one as well isn't it well, the leader, and Mark Hughes the leader hung their hat on, on Clough yeah. straight away, which was interesting, but I, I really don't think there's any leads coming out to suggest it myself, apart from, like yeah. I said, that coincidence of working under Fleur Robinson, but Clough uh, has got a job at the moment. I don't yeah. think compensation, but uh, I'm not convinced by that one. I don't know. Mark Hughes, well, I mean, obviously, if you're an international manager who's spent pretty much his entire managerial <laughs> career either managing a national team or the pre- in the Premier League, clearly, what you really want to do is, is get some fifth division football in your blood. It's a no-brainer. Coleman, he's, in, he's on the list as well, you know. Who's I? Chris Coleman's on the list as well. Again, Chris Coleman. Yeah, how can, how can I recreate those heady days of a European Championship semi-final? How can I get those, you know, those times at the Anuessa yeah. with Real Sofia dad back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Freezing yeah. cold sleet on a Tuesday night. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be those two now, isn't it? Now, I've, now we've said that. <laughs> oh, do you know what's even a, a funnier one? I mean, 22 to 1. Sam Ricketts. Imagine that. <laughs> well, Sam Ricketts. I mean, <laughs> he'd welcome back with open arms, wouldn't he? Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Uh, there's I, also I, a lot of. Of a few I've seen yeah. on this list, uh, Robbie Fowler, Harry Kuehl, and Bellamy. I mean, I, I, I suspect Bellamy is the Welsh thing, although he, he was a well-thought-of yeah. youth coach, and he was talked yeah. about when we appointed, was it Keats we appointed? I think it might have yeah. been, or Hughes. Um, but then he did have some problems then, uh, so I don't know, I think that Welsh thing might be... Is it Anderlecht now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, you never know. You never know. Yeah, but, um, I'd take him. Yeah. Who are the other ones you just said? Oh, Kewell. Yeah. And Robbie Fowler. Yeah. I mean, again, whether it's just looking at names. I mean, the appointments of Fleur Robinson, to me, suggests that rather than go for names, they're looking at people's backgrounds and what fits in with their approach, which is why... A, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to say this will happen because it won't, because he's got a job. But you know, like Danny Cowley, that sort of looking yeah. at the actual philosophy of a manager, looking at what they want to do on the pitch, what they want to do with the infrastructure, that's what they're going to look at. Not oh, that man's famous. I mean, let's be honest. As you say, McElhenney and Reynolds are new to football, so they're not going to be wowed by a famous name. Being Brian Cliff's yeah. son means nothing to them. So. I assume they'll be looking at qualities rather than someone off the gravy train or someone with a name. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Well, w- the thing is, though, us as fans, we can speculate as much as much as we want and it doesn't make a difference. We, we don't have a say. So whoever, whoever the club appoints mm. will be the right person. We, and one thing I want to say is no matter what, because a lot of fans really, really were anti-Keats last season. Let's say, no matter what, because they made a noise and they made a big part on Keats leaving. 
in my opinion. Um, I think we all have to back manager no matter what, even if even if even if it's not going smoothly in the first few games of the season, we all have to get behind this new this new manager. Hundred percent. We've you know I mean it's exciting this, we, we, but we've not got to just take a sort of entitled attitude that oh well now we've got money we'll just go straight up and everything's fine and if we don't win every match we've got to have a go. Uh, we've got to pull together now. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about community around the club and it's time to show that we're a community and actually pull together and when things go a bit wrong just keep pulling together rather than you know sort of attack because like you say the, the a factor in Keith's departure surely was that there was a, an atmosphere created by some people well we don't want that happening again straight away if we go three games without a win yeah exactly and we we don't want to become the non-league Arsenal or Celtic when things aren't going right, the fans spit their dummy out and yeah. for change all the time. We yeah. we want to be a club who has who will have a nice long-term solid manager who's going to get us into the football as soon as possible. And if if that takes not this season, next season we have to really really stick with this person. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I'm just disappointed that Robbie Savage isn't on that list. He's always on the list, isn't he? Every time the Wrexham job comes up, Robbie Savage. Oh, well, no, he's not. I know he's he, double got he that is. whole Macclesfield thing, but, you know, I'm, I, I, that wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop him, would it? T- I don't know. Tony, Tony Pugh, isn't it? Tony Pugh, he is. Yeah, Tony wow. Pugh, three to one. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I, I just, this is the first time in ages that Johan Cruyff hasn't been on the list, quite frankly. He used to be linked to every job, didn't he? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, Zidane. We could get Zidane. Oh, of course Zidane's available. It's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Gary Brabin. There's, there's Jimmy Harvey and Gary Brabin. They used to be the ones that the brought up. Oh, he's on the list. <laughs> Where are they now? It's shocking. What's going on? I don't know. All the old favourites. Bring back But Gary. yeah, it's... It's going to be... It's going to be fun, isn't it? It's exciting times, really. Looking for a new manager, it's going to be an announcement when he or maybe she gets announced. Well, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was sad that, that Humphrey Carr had to come out to actually make a statement about people not being abusive. It links in nicely to your point uh, yeah, about yeah. Keats. You've got people abusing somebody and they haven't even been appointed and possibly have got no interest and have not been on our, the club's minds. But it was depressing to see that that statement had to be made. I was very glad he made it because that's not what yeah. this club should be about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I feel like it's inevitable. Now that women's football is starting to get much more of the respect it deserves and it's fantastic to see what's happening with our women's team, um, I... I think it's only a matter of time before a professional men's club appoints a female manager now. I think if, if you'd asked yeah. me about a, about a year ago, I'd have said there were too many obstacles, you know, unjustified obstacles, but sadly, no club would take the punt. I think they will now. But I, I think the danger is going to be everyone's going to claim it's a gimmick unless it works. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. it will work. Um, because a woman manager who is qualified is going to be just as good as a male manager who is qualified. And so, yeah. but by the same token, most men 
fail as managers. You know, jobs end in defeat. Um, I love that Marcelo Bielsa quote. I probably said this before. He says that whenever he comes to a new club, he shakes the hand of the chairman, he looks into his eyes, and he thinks, I am looking into the eyes of the man who will sack me. And that, that's how it goes in management. There's no, there's rarely a happy ending. There's not many Alex Ferguson's. So, you know, I mean, if women managers come in and fail, they'll get then labelled as a failure and oh, it was all a gimmick, whereas men don't get that. But eventually, I think that soon we will see female managers in. I'm not saying with us necessarily, but it, we will see. We have to respect the women's game as well. Um, yeah. You look at, um, is it Emma Hayes, Chelsea's manager yeah, yeah. for women's? Uh, she was bound. She was offered offered the Wimbledon job, wasn't she? So long ago, and she said, "She said no. It's a step down. I'm yeah. in Champions League football. Why would I step down to a League One club in man because it's the man's game, you know? So I I I, I think all oh, because we're linked with a female. The female may not want to. The female manager may not want to take the job because why would you want to step?" to the National League if you're managing a top Premier League speed. Yeah. That's just I, my I, opinion anyway. I must say, I do like that point. Yeah, absolutely right. The sort of arrogance, uh, patriarchy uh, attitude of, well, gosh, a woman manager, get a job with a man's team. Oh, that's got to be a step up. But yeah, you're playing in the Champions League, like you say, playing at the top level. Yeah. Is, it, is it a step up? No. Um, I feel, I, I, with hindsight, realise now as we talk like this, I wish I'd put a bit more in about the fact that Wrexham's women's team have successfully applied for the new second tier of Welsh football. And I think it might be something we should explore a bit more in the coming weeks. But I, I will say, when the owners came in and put money into the women's team and showed that was a priority, I was very happy because... Wrexham's a big town in the Welsh context. And why shouldn't we be able to be a dominant force in women's football? Women's football in Wales is is still, I would say, at a, an early, not fully developed stage. Why can't we strike out and establish ourselves as a very, very serious presence in the Welsh women's game and therefore a regular presence in the European women's game? Well, yeah, it's it's probably going to be the likely way to get Wrexham back into Europe, isn't it? So, you yeah, a... you would say sorry. Unless we write a song. Yeah, exactly. So I, I hundred percent agree that women's game should get the same amount of coverage as the man's game, but it's just building that popularity and building it up to the point where people are going to be interested in watching the game, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, who's going to be Rexham's next manager? Come on. Sideline. Zidane. Excellent. Um, Pochettino for me, all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe Zidane, Zidane and Pochettino's assistant. Nice, nice. That sounds like the <laughs> obvious choice. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, after this, we'll have a think about which players that they've got from the season of last, like the squad of last year to actually play with. I'm Riesel Johnson and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. Right, now then. 
the retained list came out, and well, I mean, clearly we have now got to say goodbye to a lot of significant players. In all honesty, yeah. So, I mean, firstly, we have lost some key players. I mean, Mark Carrington has gone. The shame to see him eight years of service. He's been he's been fantastic for the club, hasn't he? Yeah, real club legend in my opinion. Been a quality player when we've been a poor side. Yeah. So he, you could tell it. You could tell him. Can you can you put the goalkeeper gloves on and go in today? He would, wouldn't he? And he'd yeah. try his best. Uh, he, the position on the pitch, he won't play. He he wears the shirt with real pride. And I, yeah, for me, a club legend and probably just a testimonial. I, I've got to say, for me, the measure of the man is that he often, when we were playing badly, he was often our best player because he still kept yeah. to his standards. Um, I particularly remember a game we lost at Solly Hull. Um, it was the one where Manny Smith got injured. Um, and, mm-hmm. oh, we were awful. It was a horrible game. And the one player whose performance was up to standard was Carrington, who at fullback was just rock solid, used the ball really well. And I just thought that, that sums him up. That you know, it's it's just yeah. no matter what position you put him or what situation the game is, he's able to get on with his job and do a, a good job. Uh, and uh, I've always admired Carrington for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you speak on behalf of all of fans when you say that. Rutherford's. I mean, uh, what a wholehearted servant of the club. Here. I've said that phrase again. Yeah. But, I mean, goodness me. Yeah. I mean. I'd I'd love to know the the stats on ground covered <laughs> because like, yeah. that, that guy's uh, you should give him a job making ordnance survey maps I reckon because he would <laughs> no stone left unturned. You know, heart in his sleeve as well. Real try, really yeah. tries his best for the club, and he's he's had periods this season of playing consistently, but then when he's been asked to play. He's come in and he's done a great job, and it's it, it's yeah. a crack shame that um, he finished his Wrexham career red card, really, because I don't think that reflects his career at Wrexham mm. at all. It wasn't the first time he got sent off for Wrexham, but it was the first time he got yeah. sent off for Wrexham, and we didn't then try to bring a substitute on for him. Uh, yeah, a, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it nearly worked. That's how you get a match declared void. Um, <laughs> he was, um, I say, flexible as well because he could play in a few different positions. And although he didn't score that many goals, they were beauties. I remember the goal he scored was his second game for us. A Geisley injury time curler from outside the box to win the match. Oh, man. Amazing. And he still loves Amazing. scoring against Solly Hull for some weird reason. Three <laughs> seven goals against, came against Solly Hull. Lobs from at the edge of the area, all sorts of lovely good finishes. Fair play to him. Love it. Yeah, thanks for his service as well. Yeah. Definitely. And then Jay Harris, of course, a player who's <sighs> the heights in terms of uh, football in the National League. I mean, he's, he's over yeah. the two spells, he's shown terrific commitment, hasn't he? Yeah, and just look at the amount of appearances he's had for the club. He's a real battler. Um, He's like a he's like a little pit bull, isn't he? On the pitch, he's up and down. He's having to go at the refs, and 
yeah, he's got good goals for us. And it's just, again, it's sad to see him go as well. He's, he's, I think he's one of the players that are a real identity with a club, if you get what I mean. Well, yeah, I was thinking the same thing because a key thing with him, and to be fair, of all three that we've mentioned, is that that desire to demand performances from the players around them, to set their own standards and expect other people to live up to them. And Harris is very much like that. He will be beside you if you're playing alongside him and you don't meet the standards he thinks you should be hitting. And that's a good attitude to have in a team. I think as well, yeah. people naturally, because he's such a fierce tackler and a fierce competitor, want to pigeonhole him as a sort of scrapping midfielder, which he certainly is, um, and tend not to recognise his creative qualities. Yeah, Probably got the best range of passing at the club, I would say. And is... And as we've seen in recent weeks, very good at driving the team forwards when he ha- when we need that. Mm. Um, so yeah, he's a, a fine player for the club, isn't he? Yeah, percent, hundred percent. And now I think the other two that we were really shocking, I think for a lot of Wrexham fans, were Kelleher and Vassell for many reasons, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean they've, they've certainly had good campaigns. They've, they've certainly shown their qualities. The, I guess if the, if the logic is that we are going to be recruiting players we expect to be then taking us straight on to the top of League Two, then, okay, maybe they've decided that they can bring in players who can do that more readily. Uh, but certainly we mm. should thank Keller and Vassell. I mean, as I've said before, Vassell's ability to outpace any striker has, has always been a regular pleasure for me. Always happens in the first quarter of an hour at the race course, doesn't it? They play the ball in behind, their quick lad gets after it, and Vassell would just ease past him, run out for a goal kick, and he didn't try it again. It was great. And Callagher, the cork wall, mini carry. Yeah. You know, good wholehearted scrapper who, you know, would defend his area well, I thought. So I think both of them should be patted on the back, I think, for their, their efforts. Oh, 100%. I think Keller as well, as even despite his size, Actually, really good on the ball as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. A really good, two really good centre halves, and yeah, thanks very much to both of them for their service this season. I also wouldn't be surprised if you see them signing for league, full league clubs. They're that good. Um, yeah, both good centre backs. Yeah. So, yeah. I've got to say, I mean, as well, I feel sad for James Horsfield, um, because yeah. when he came on loan the season before last. He was clearly a high-quality player. I just kept saying all the time, he's clearly not a National League player. He's better than that. And that horrible injury that he got, I mean, obviously set him back enormously. And that's a real shame. I really hope he's able to get back to that level because he's, he would be a, a, an asset to any, again, to a football league team if he's able to do that. I, I don't think he ever, he never really managed to this season. though. He filled in well at centre-back, didn't he? Um, but I'm, I'm sad. I think he's a good player, but I think that injury has has affected him this year. I think. Yeah, he's a very good utility player. I thought he was really good to have in the squad this season because he would, you know, like he'd come in and he'd fill in, wouldn't he? And he yeah, sad, sad to see him go as well. I don't. Yeah. I, I honestly, a lot of people's reactions are like, oh yeah, they'll they just leave. But you know, again, at the end of the day, people are losing their jobs and yeah. they're not on the best money, they're not on this glitz and glamour money like the Premier League. These players lose their jobs. They've got to try and make money somehow, haven't they? So I think it's sad seeing people lose their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel sorry for Sang. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. 
if we're looking to move forwards uh, and bring in a, a squad of proven quality, Sang would certainly be a punt. Um, but he, he showed he might have something, I think, in, in what we saw of him. And you know, I feel you know sympathetic to him. I really hope he gets picked up and given an opportunity with a club where he can get some regular football and develop. Because I just felt, looking at him, yeah, he's got something. It's not there yet. And I think he needs maybe matches at maybe Conference North level just to actually get goals yeah. under his belt, getting regular minutes and, and, and building up his experience. But I, I, I felt you could see something in Sang. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that we ought yeah. to keep him, but he, he was, you know, he was bought in odd circumstances, wasn't he, really? Um, but I, I felt he's got something about him, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe do well at a club like. Honest key, a Welsh Premier League team yeah. or something. He, you know, I, yeah, he, he, he come in and he played. Oh, he just, I just don't think he's, I think if we were at WST, the WST budget, mm. he would be a, he'd be a good asset to have in, in and around the squad. But we're really pushing for that football league now. If we have this big budget that, that's being banded around. So, yeah, it, again, sad to see him go, but I'm, I'm sure he'll find a club somewhere else. Oh, absolutely, I'm sure. And then the other two players who were invited in, you know, when we were restricted with what strikers we could get, yeah. uh, Keanu Marsh-Brown and Goldon Matayo, they will get a chance to prove themselves in pre-season. So that's, you know, that's a good opportunity for them. I mean, you, you certainly... A fair play to Amatayo. <laughs> yeah. He's a trier, isn't he? I mean, he battles like hell, doesn't he? I think with Amatayo, yeah, I don't think he's the most technically gifted of footballers, but he's a physical beast, which I think is to have at this level. Yeah. Someone to have someone to pump the ball to hold up for your Ponticelli's or your Dior Angus's. I think he's obviously a very hard worker and he's physically a beast. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a it's good good to give him another chance. And I think Keanu Marsh Brown obviously has quality because he's an international footballer. I've seen that much of him, but I think yeah, I think he deserves another chance too. Well, Marsh Brown's interesting, isn't he? Because he he has been outstanding at this level previously. He has done okay mm. in the football league previously, and I think maybe there's a hope that his potential could be uh, realised. You know, if he can really get him going. And my understanding is that all three of them trained well. And look yeah. very motivated, the three lads who were brought in. So, you know, fair play to be given an opportunity there. Um, I'm glad as well that Kwame Thomas is going to be given that opportunity to prove his fitness. Uh, I think that's yeah. important. I think that he's, he was terrific for us this season. And I think he deserves yeah. every opportunity to... to I, I wouldn't like to see him leave in the circumstances of... He did well for us, but you got injured, so goodbye. You know, we need to see what we can do with him because if he can come back to his previous level, he'll be very tasty. Yeah, yeah, I think he's... Well, I think if he carried on the way he was, I think he would have got player of the season this year yeah. if he didn't get injured. Um, I think he was absolutely unplayable at times. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I, mean, I think if they didn't make that decision also, also, also a lot of fans would have been very angry mm. because there is a real player in Cranway. Let's hope he recovers from his injury well. And imagine having Gold Domateo up front together. It'd be two colossuses, wouldn't it? Wouldn't want to be a centre-back, would you? <laughs> <Those> <laughs> rolling away at you. Goodness <laughs> me. Who knows what we might bring in as well? 
So, uh, and, and this is and the I, thing, I think. Back in were playing between them. <laughs> I think this is the thing. I think it's okay to be upset with the pl- players that have left. You know, let's hope we bring in some real, real quality. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 the proof of any retained list is what you replace players with. Yeah. You know? Um, I, actually, I, don't, I, I wrote in the column in the leader this week talking about exactly that, saying how we had Craig Falkenbridge in the, uh, at the turn of the century. Three seasons in a row, he was our top scorer. And he was a good, wholehearted player. And uh, throughout the last season, which was a season when Dennis Smith came in and we got relegated, he always the talk was, Wickham am I going to buy him? Wickham am I going to buy him? We were all desperate for him not to go. And he did go in the end. And Smith didn't replace him with anybody. And you think, okay, so we just got the strikers who got relegated from League One. But Smith knew what he was doing because he replaced him with Morrell in the first team who hadn't been getting a proper run. Morrell scored 34 goals in the league, 39 overall. Yeah. That season went pretty well. Um, so, yeah, it's all about how you replace somebody. If you can upgrade a position, then, you know, your retained list is then justified, isn't it? So Exactly. And I think a lot of fans will be questioning if we just bring in like for like. You know what I mean? Of these yeah. sort of standards of players. So let all the players that have been released that we bring in that League Two quality of player because there's going to be a lot of uh, teams who are going to be struggling to keep up of good players because, you know, because the current, um, current climate, actually, from, from football in general, it's a complete mess. So hopefully we'll be able to capitalize on that. Well, there's going to be a lot of quality on the market, isn't there? You know, there's going to be a lot yeah. of clubs cutting costs, a lot of good players trickling down to levels that they that never wanted to play in. Uh, that's why Carrington ended up with us, because that was after the ITV digital bust and things like that. And, you know, the, some players will end up playing at a lower level than they want to be. But at least of Wrexham, they'll know that they've got potential of being upwardly mobile and in a project. So hopefully they'll be motivated. Um I'm happy for Tyler French and Dan Jarvis. Their extensions to their contracts have been yeah. triggered. I think that French got less pitch time near the end of the season and he played he had a rough time of it at Maidenhead when he, he had to step in before he saw Johnson. Yeah. I don't think that should colour the fact that I think he looks like a shrewd signing. He's he's only young and he's got potential. And I'm glad that he's gonna have a chance to develop that with us. Yeah. And, yeah, he, um, th- th- there's there's a player in Tyler French, I think, and it, the fact that he can play right back and centre back hmm. really helps us, especially if we maybe the new man wants to come in and play the back four. I think hmm. Tyler French at our level would be maybe just as good in a back four as Reese or Johnson. Yeah. So, yeah, it's but good course, variety, fantastic. I think as well in those sort of positions, yeah. it's a tough away game. French can play. You have a game where you want to get at people. Hall Johnson can play. I'm not saying. Either of them can't do the other job, but you have that variety as well as just cover. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Yeah. And then Jarvis, well, I mean, he's had a frustrating time with it this season, but the fact is he showed last season, the season before, last season, this season, um, that he had real quality. And particularly when he had Davis Keeler done 
playing with him and as a two attacking positions in the box midfield and he could link with him link with Ponticelli three intelligent young players who you know their academy education was clear in the way that they interplayed and you know it'd be nice to see what he can do you know if we're able to bring in players who of the same ilk maybe who can combine with him it'd be nice to see what yeah. he can do and I think Jarvis is I think he's got obvious a lot Technical qualities, great on the ball. But I think a lot of times when the, a lot of the fans are really pining for him to start, started and sometimes not been as effective as our people thought he could be. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is really his time to prove that he's good enough to play for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's some interesting questions to be answered by the players who are staying and, and a real opportunity for them to, to grab this and make themselves important as this club moves forwards. We're going to move forwards now. We're nearly finished, but we are going to have a little chat after this with you about stuff you might expect from us in the coming weeks because just because the football ends doesn't mean the dragon hearting ends. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. All right, so let's put last season into a little draw and leave it there for now. But Dragonheart's not going to stop there. Next weekend, of course, European Championship starts, and so we're going to keep going. We're still going to talk about Wrexham stuff, obviously. I rather think there's going to be a lot of things going on in the next few weeks. But we'll also be devoting some time to the European Championships, especially the Wales Games, eh, Jay? Oh, I can't wait. So excited now. Now the Wrexham season's over. I can forget about this season now and get in some fun times. I think supporting Wales at the moment, it's the most fun I've ever had in my lifetime, supporting Wales. And it's really great that we're go into another major tournament and hopefully can be competitive in a really, really tough group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the European Championship gives us a chance to sort of uh, have a stab at some other areas we've not really talked about as well. Uh, yeah. You were asking me about Wales against the USSR. That was a game I was at. Maybe we could talk about some old Welsh matches too. And yeah, yeah. Touch with that as well. In fact, if I could do the call out right now, please chip in. On Twitter, I'll put the question up uh, in a moment once we finish this recording. But what's been your favourite Welsh memory, Wales football memory, your favourite game? It can be anything. It can be because it was a fantastic game. It can be because of something weird that happened. It could even be like me with that Soviet Union game because I sat next to a bloke who fought for a world boxing title. (laughs) Who knows? Anything you want. But... uh, Tell us about that and we'll chat about some classic Wales memories next week. It's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I guess practice oh, Spanish, Spanish pronunciation as well. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be brilliant because it's going to be nice covering the upper echelon of football, you know, the pinnacle of football, rather than, you know, us playing. Italy. It's going to be an, an, a different sort of experience for me uh, doing podcasting, so I'm really looking forward to it. I, I love international tour anyway i think it's always great fun absolutely so we'll do copper america at the same time yeah F- five games in a oh. day that seems reasonable to me <laughs> oh yeah yeah sounds, <laughs> sounds like <it's> really fun <laughs> marcelo bielsa will be sleeping in the next few, five weeks why should we you know <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll be getting the lucas aid down there <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Also, <laughs> and keep your eyes peeled because we'll launch this before next week's episode. We'll, we'll push it but a lot then as well. And thank you very much to regular listener Tim Lewis for suggesting this. You're a legend. Um, we'll start a, a Dragonheart Fantasy League. So we'll pick one of the Fantasy League competitions and we'll start our own league. And if you want to join us and play against us and see if you can beat us, then good luck with that because you'll need it. Then <laughs> we'll put that, keep your eyes peeled in the coming days because we'll, we'll put that code up and you'll be able to join us and you'll have a bit of a laugh over that as well. So that should be fun, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Should be great. Should be great. So who's going to win it, Jake? Who's going to win the European Championships? They're going to do it twice on the bounce. I think Portugal are going to win it. Ooh. France. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, France is the obvious one, isn't it? But in a European Championship and a World Cup, there's always a shock, isn't there? Yeah. So you, you never know. Um, maybe England will win it. They, they have the squad, don't they, for it this year? I, I don't think they will because they always seem to bottle it. Um, sock dirty talk. But I think Portugal have some fantastic players. They always seem to rate, rise to the occasion, don't they, mm. as well? So, and if you have Cristiano Ronaldo, I know he's aging, and Bruno Fernandes on your team, and Jota, that's a, they, could win, they could win you any sort of game. So that's, I'm putting my hat on Portugal. You know, the way that they talked about a Portuguese golden generation, which didn't quite achieve what it ought to have done. Um, and yet now, look at, look at the young players, Portuguese players coming through all yeah. across Europe. It's, it's frightening. The quality is terrific. Yeah. And like I said, England have some fabulous young players, as do Wales. Um, yes. Has, it, has the tournaments come a little too soon for Wales, do you think? Or, or is it a good stage post for these players to get tournaments experience to move on to the next, well, the next World Cups? Yeah, I, I think so. We have a cracking young squad and I think... Again, I think with Wales, it's just a free hit, isn't it? So if, if you compare how that's just compared to our near rivals or neighbours, England, I think media help Wales a lot in the fact that we have no expectation. We go to these matches, we're going for a bit of fun and oh, the crack. And I think Wales overachieving these games against the big clubs, and I think the clubs, you know, countries. Where England, on the other hand, they're expected to win every, everything and they usually don't because the expectations so high. I hope we keep that similar sort of vibe. Yeah, and I think we've got some crap young players. Um, we've also got Gap Bale, who's a match winner. We've got Aaron Ramsey, who's a class player. So, yeah, I'm quite hopeful. Hopefully, we can get out of the groups. But if we don't, it's just nice to be a part of it, isn't it? It's a shame. It's a tough group, you know, to have... Yeah. Obviously, you're going to come up against a strong side, but to be coming up against as well uh, the likes of Turkey and Switzerland. They're both tournament-hardened. The Turks are getting some good young players coming through as well, just when the older generation have dropped off. The Swiss are always tight and organised and always seem to get through to the next rounds. And I just, I'm just i a little worried because like, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a good hit to nothing and, it, and it'll be good experience, whatever happens. Um, I just worry that... I mean, you know, the idea of the best third place teams going through, well, it's nice then to have a North Macedonia in your dog group because essentially yeah. three points will probably put you through in third place at least. If you're just able to have somebody who can just batter, then you're laughing. Whereas in our group, 
that just feels like the sort of group where Turkey, Wales and Switzerland could be drawing matches. You know, we're a defensive team, we? we've got a tight mm. team. It just feels like the sort of game where we could be drawing games and then end up, you know, all on two points. <laughs> you know, it, it, and, I don't know. I hope it's good. Italy are a class side. They are a really good side. They're developing. They now, could though. win it this year too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, they've, they've come it's from a bad crazy. Years ago, haven't they? Or three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we'll... a Delhi disaster, but they, yeah, they, 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 there's some new players coming through for them who are untested in tournaments, but look interesting, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And as you said, Turkey and Switzerland, they got some. They've all got some quality players, and aren't we playing Turkey in Baku too? Yeah. Which will be quite close, isn't yeah. it? Azerbaijan quite close to Turkey, isn't it? So yeah. that could be like home game for them as well, couldn't it? Which will be. Mind you, there won't be a lot of fans in, will there? I suppose the travelling is good. True sense for them, but then for us, it's good that we're playing Italy last, aren't we? Because, I mean, honestly, at, at any time, never mind when there's COVID, getting a group to be played in Italy and Azerbaijan is. Absurd. I mean, Azerbaijan yeah. in Asia, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy yeah. to expect to do that. But at least we played two back-to-back games in Baku, and then go to Rome. Yeah. Whereas Switzerland and Turkey have got to play. Well, well, beg your pardon. Um, it's Switzerland. Doesn't got to play Baku, Rome, Baku. That'd be on a jolly yeah. battle last game. Oh, but f- for me as well, I think this multi-city Euro concept an absolute farce as well. <laughs> Yeah. It'd be just in one country, but and I think in these times it should be the country that has the best COVID record and is ready to host a tournament yeah. so safely. So I think, yeah, I think the multi-city thing, especially in COVID times, and for the, for the fans, it's 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 a load of nonsense. It it does seem peculiar to me that you're asking fans as well as players. To, to travel long distances across Europe when travel is at best a dubious idea, but yeah, hey, since when did uh, UEFA uh, really live in the real world? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's one hundred percent true. Um, and I suppose, although I agree with you, I don't like this multi-city idea. But I certainly don't like it when you get groups like that. When you've got Scotland, uh, Glasgow, and London hosting a group, all right, I can I can live with that. Um, but I suppose you could argue things could be worse because I'm sure you've seen that the Copa America is in Brazil, that starts on the same day as the European Championships. Um, but it's wasn't supposed to be in Brazil. It was supposed to be co-hosted by Argentina and Colombia. Uh, I beg your pardon. No, Argentina and yeah, it was Colombia, wasn't it? So you, yeah, you're yeah. talking about you know between capital cities about six thousand miles. So going to America and back, um, and I say the capital cities. I, I mean, in a way, I'm being generous to them because <laughs> Buenos Aires is right up northern. Argentina. So yeah. if, you, if you go down further south, it's going to be obviously even more distant. So, yeah, compared to that, yeah, the Europa Games just a few, just a few games in the backyard, eh? Yeah, that is true. But I also do believe in the that the one country hosts it, and it's like a good way to celebrate this certain culture, co- country's culture, and 
everyone getting together and singing songs and all these different trees melting pot and together. I know it's not right in COVID time, but in other times, I think that's that's how a tournament should be, really. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. That's the right principle, I think, isn't it? So yeah. Anyway, we'll be we'll be giving you our opinions on it as well. My goodness, we just keep on giving, don't we? Oh, it's it doesn't stop. The season stops, but Dragon Hack keeps <laughs> roaring on. Absolutely. As they say in The Simpsons, like the painting of a clock, it never ends. Painting of a clock? I'm, I think I've got The Simpsons quote wrong. I feel ashamed now. Ah, oh, well, never mind. And so, this is quite a poignant and emotional moment for me. I guess for the last time, we have to hand over. Jay oh, Harris yeah. for his Hollywood send-off. This is Jay Harris and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio. 